Yeah, welcome along. Episode 57 today, the 6th of August 2019. I'm a bit, I guess, away from the centre of Brisbane at the moment. We're all the way out here in lovely Clontarf. Uh, a, long, a long-time uh, client of mine, also a good, a good friend, uh, Bevan Blackshaw. Welcome to the podcast, Bevan. G'day, Tim. How are you going? Going very, very well. And I thought thought you'd be a great guest to have. You always, uh, uh, you're, I guess, when we're talk, trying to get small business guests on the show... Uh, most of the time that I've known you, the 18 years or so, it's you've been, you know, you've been, you've been your own boss, haven't you? Really, pretty much, yeah. I, I worked in construction for a number of years, also to uh, to supplement my um, my furniture making business. But yeah, about 18 years or thereabouts, I've been doing what I do. And we'll get certainly get into uh, what Timber Dimensions actually does uh, and what sort of uh, products you've got on the go, because some of the products that I've seen. Uh, you know that you've shared on Facebook and uh, other social media uh, platforms are very, very interesting, very unique, and really one of a kind. So, uh, before we get into sort of discuss a bit about that, tell us a bit about early life. You always were you always sort of were you born in Brisbane or yeah, born 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 and bred in Brisbane, south side of town. Uh, mother passed away when I was quite young, so I became very, uh, very self sufficient and very independent at an early age, and. Uh, and that's always been one of the things that I've taken forward as, as one of my positive attributes. And I think it's one of the things that puts me where I am today. Yeah, excellent. Um, I think your father, his name was Kevin, wasn't it? That's correct. And Kevin also, he was a long-time uh, client of ours at CTBS. Uh, well, tell us a bit about some of the things you may have learnt, for, I guess, from your... Your dad growing up, was he a single dad or did he remarry? Uh, he remarried He remarried later on in life. Um, I there's a, um, had a child with, a, with another woman, so my half-brother. He's about 10 years younger than me. Um, dad owned a bar in the Philippines, uh, was always a rogue. Things I've learnt from him, I suppose, were, were being frugal um, with my money um, and... I learned about quality in a whole different uh, range of uh, range of fields, like fabrics and leather and gemstones and all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. Quality was always very important in the, in my father's eye, and uh, he taught what, me a lot of things. I guess about what was that. Uh, his sort of background and profession? What was he really good at? What did he sort of make a career out of? Um, early days, he was a butcher. Owned butcher shops. Um, owned snack bars and. Uh, and drove, drove, owned and drove taxis in his later so life. Done quite a bit of everything. There, yeah, Kevin. yeah, okay. yeah. Worked very hard. Yeah, very, very hard. Excellent. That's uh, and I suppose young life. You, you said you had a half brother, and there was also Matthew as well. That's right, my older brother. Yeah, uh, he's your older brother. Um, so, sort of family dynamics growing up. Uh, how did you and Matthew sort of get along? Was there much fighting growing up? Oh, <laughs> probably no more than no more than any other uh, any other pair of siblings, I suppose. Um, Again, probably because probably because of my early circumstance, I, I lived in a number of different places uh, with relatives and relatives and, and friends of family uh, for various parts of my life. Um, so I'd have contact with Matthew, and then sometimes no contact with Matthew. Matthew uh, went over, went over to Western Australia for for some years and lived and worked over there. So yeah, it's a bit of a Bit of a fractured family in, uh, arrangement, I suppose. Yeah, but obviously uh, you, you also would have learned a lot from the dynamics that you had. 
Definitely. Uh, with your, obviously, with that family dynamic. So, yeah. what, as a youngster, what did you sort of get up to? Uh, did you play any sport at all, Bevan, growing up? No, not really. A little bit of, little bit of uh, used to play a lot of squash years and years ago. Uh, can't really do that anymore. Um, uh, Is that a squash injury that stopped that? Or? No, motorcycle accident stopped that. A, a, a motorcycle accident, a bus accident. Uh, my left ankle and right ankle are not up to, uh, up to uh, running around and, and doing the things you need to do to play squash. Yeah, I, I sort of uh, played squash for a number of years just mm. as a more of an adult. Uh, mm. I didn't really play it as a kid, but... Uh, Certainly, the injuries that I would have sustained, um, um, I had to get surgery on my right knee. That was about nearly two years ago. Yeah. So that was after probably about eight eight years of playing it. You know, once every two weeks or something. Or one, yeah. You know, it's quite quite thing. So that was what you played. Uh, anything? Any other sports or hobbies? As a not really. No, I I, I used to ride a lot of. I used to still do ride a push bike a lot. I do that for enjoyment okay. and entertainment. Um, and there's a lot, lot of good bike tracks out this way, isn't there? There is. There is. It's a great place out here to, to ride a push bike. Go over the other side of the peninsula and, and uh, ride from Woody Point all the way to Scarborough, basically. And yeah, uh, and yeah it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, there was, I think one occasion I actually successfully did 100Ks from Windsor all the way to Newport and all the way back. Yep. Without getting a flat tyre. <laughs> every other, every three other times I probably tried it, I did get a flat tyre somewhere along the yeah, way. Yeah, and that's always um, a pain. It is a, yeah, it's certainly a pain. And I went for, as I actually went to, uh, I was going to go for a ride on my bike uh, on Sunday, then I had a look, oh shit, I need to fucking fix the flat tyre. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah, that, yeah. let's just go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> just go to the gym and fucking, yeah. and, and just do a bit of a workout. Well, a lot of times now I, I, I ride the push bike up, the road around the corner to a place called Beardies and it's go up there for burgers and beers really you know? yeah Sunday afternoon a bit of live music nothing like it yeah yeah so um, yeah so I guess what about uh, you would have probably would have been fairly young when you when you started work I'd imagine uh, what was your first job that you ever had my first job uh, if, I, if I go back to where I uh, when I used to be at school I used to work for a chemist shop I delivered papers, uh, did things like that. My first job was about 15. Uh, was working in a meatworks, Bothwick's Meatworks over at Murray. Worked there for a couple of years. Yeah. So, and what? What? Which would all those sort of experiences? What was the one that was the most memorable or enjoyable as it working? I guess. What did you sort of? Mm-hmm. What, did, what did you learn the most in those early? Oh, like certainly the the work in my, in the meatworks was uh, it. They're all hard, tough, uh, roused about sort of people, males and the females. Um, taught me a lot about resilience. Um, taught me a lot about how to stand up for myself. So I'm not a I'm not a huge person in stature. Um, so yeah, taught taught me a lot about resilience and 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 being able to stand up for yourself. Uh, and not take not take too much shit from people really. Yeah. yeah, that was probably the most valuable thing I got out of that. Yeah. So you said you've been, I guess you've been self-employed for eighteen years. What were some of your first full-time jobs as an adult that you sort of got into once you sort of got into your, uh, I guess, very early twenties? Yeah, I I worked for um, I worked for barbecues galore for about thirteen years. Um, thirteen years. Okay. Thirteen years. Yeah, thirteen and years. What, what was your uh, top? What, I guess I'm just guessing what you'd be doing there. You probably wouldn't be out there selling them, would you? No, warehouse management and things like that was my yeah. thing. Um, so running the warehouse out the back, loading cars, 
um, advanced along and became the uh, assistant warehouse manager. Um, at one stage, at one stage, the Galore Group took over um, a business that Ariadne held, uh, Nelson and Company. It sells Christopher's case when they went bust, and I was. I was 22, I think, years old, and I was asked to go over to the Kedron facility on 1 July, introduce myself, and take control of the business and be the law group's representative in Queensland at Nelson and Company. So, and the state manager at the time had nearly 40 years of tenure with the business, so that went down like a shit, like a shit in a. a like a shit at a party. Mm, still, thirteen years is quite a quite a decent amount of time in in, in a job like that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, at the time, I probably only had I'd probably had about eight years, or seven, six or seven years experience at Galore. But I knew I knew how to how a trial balance worked. I knew I knew what was the expectation of accounts and things like that. You wouldn't know that from looking at my books, but anyway. Um, and I knew how the business needed to run. Um, so. Yeah, we spent 12 months doing that and eventually eventually migrated the business into one facility um, and I organised most of the inventory control and, and warehousing and logistical uh, requirements for that, including the, the, the fit-out in the new facility. So it was quite a job, really. Mm. Mm. So, and then, I guess, what did you sort of do next after you'd finished up there in, at Barbecues Galore? I... I Worked temporary for uh, no, actually I worked for a mob called MPM Marketing. I took on an assistant. I took on a, uh, a warehouse manager's role. Uh, I was there for about eighteen months. I ended up leaving um, over over five thousand dollars. But anyway, that's another story. Um, over over money that I wanted to spend to have uh, a break even of about three and a half months mm. and she wouldn't spend the money yep. uh, so I left yep. on principle yep. um, didn't really get on with them right from the word go and from there I went out contract working for mobs like Kelly Services and Skilled Engineering and people like that and I did that on and off for about well, three or four years I suppose um, and then I was offered an opportunity to work with a friend of mine in, in uh, construction, building self-storage facilities. And the first job I took on with that was in Singapore. And uh, how, how long ago was that? Uh, probably 15 years ago now, 15, 16. So just as you're sort of starting in yeah. self-employment. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was really my first foray into, into contracting and, and, and self-employment. We spent six weeks in the lead up to Christmas in Singapore, uh, teaching, building, building, uh, just fitting out a, a, a building and um, and made a lot of money in a very short amount of time, mm. uh, but worked hard for it. Mm. Earned every penny we, we, we earned. Yeah. Yeah, do you sort of been back to Singapore much over the last, uh, in recent years? No, uh, I know, but I'm, I'm hoping to go back probably early next year because um, I have a, I have a regular client in Singapore now um, who, uh, who takes a product of mine on a regular basis. I'm currently doing a, a batch of them now, so it'll be a, 
I'll be Nick, early next year I'll be going to Singapore and India both for business yeah, yeah. excellent so that's something to look forward to I guess it is definitely it is. so Singapore back in 15 years ago I mean what did you like the place did you like sort of being there did you loved like it working? Yeah. loved it loved it we, well we had our accommodation was supplied mm-hmm. um we were working for ultimately um, a guy by the name of Harry Kwa, who uh, at the time owned what was, in physical uh, in physical dimensions, the largest real estate agency in the Southern Hemisphere. Mm. Um, it was, you know, a little bit of language barrier. The food in Singapore is absolutely amazing. People talk yes. about how ex- how expensive it is. Uh, it doesn't need to be. Correct. Uh, it doesn't need to be expensive at all. Um, I love the place. It's really great. Uh, yeah. I think with Singapore, what I've found, I guess, and I've been there quite a, a few times now over the years, I think you are right in saying that there is, there is a bit of... If you sort of look hard enough, there is affordability there. Oh, definitely. Um, yes, there's going to be... There's easy... Like anywhere, you can pretty much waste money wherever you want to waste money. That's right. Um, and Singapore might be a little bit easier to waste money than than some other places. But mm. at the ultimate, at the end of the day, you go to Little India, you go to you go to Chinatown, you come across these places that still offer your you know your five dollar meals, your yep, your um you know your your one dollar uh, curry puffs, your hundred dollar a night accommodation. Yep. So it's it's there's no way it's um. Yeah, but just like anywhere, you know, there's there's always an expensive part of of these towns as well. If you want to spend right. the money, if the right. tourists want to say that they've got the money to spend, yeah, so. like anywhere, if you eat with the people, it'll it'll generally be okay. We found that uh, underneath most of the apartment blocks, there was uh, generally half a dozen little hawker stalls yes. uh, selling food and what have you, and they'd all have their own little specialties, and there'd often be a, a place there that sells drinks and beer and so on and so forth. And we were finding we were paying no more money, no more money than what we'd expect to pay here in Australia, or even less, for, or even less for for just yeah. general evening meal. Yeah, and you and I'd say that I mean I've known you for a lot of years. You would be a bit of a connoisseur of markets. Tell me mm. about um, what you what you think of the the markets, uh, the market stalls, and that type of arrangement in in those pockets of Singapore. Yeah, it's great, fantastic. Yeah, the the way they. Uh, Again, a lot of it's got to do with the density of population. That's why it works. But the way the way they do food and the way they do uh, trading and stuff like that, pop-up shops are very, very, very popular over there. They'll just uh, people have their group of followers. They uh, they inform the followers, "I'm going to be on at this location for two days," and people just flock to it to buy things. Mm. It's just amazing. Here, it's different. It's, uh, the, we've got the tyranny of distance thing here. Um, much much less population per per square kilometre here, so it's hard to do. Mm. So let's talk a bit about uh, the, the business Timber Dimensions. Mm. Uh, obviously, you start. I guess the trading name was around when I first knew you. You sort of registered fairly back in you know might have been eighteen years ago. It was yep. quite a while ago now. Yep. And then obviously got into it and started uh, you know started sort of doing stuff and. Uh, your projects have always centered around, you know, timber. Obviously, mm. is, is a pr- predominant product that uh, that we see out here. You, if you come out to the um, to your commercial premises out here, you've got uh, quite a lot of different types of timber. Um, obviously, quite a lot of different products that you've got sort of going on here. Um, if you go back to those early days, what was sort of, and you're talking about storage facilities mm. that you're creating. 
Uh, what was sort of the product first, I guess the products that you were sort of developing the most, say, 15 years ago? My God, it, uh, it, all, started, it all started with a timber bath mat to keep my cloth bath mat dry <laughs> because I'm lazy. Um, just fundamentally lazy. I used to hate picking up the bath mat, throwing it over the edge of the... Wet. Because it's wet, you've dried yourself, so on and so forth, and you pick it up, throw it over the edge of the bath or over the, over the, uh, the shower rail so that it can dry. Um, I didn't like doing that, so I made uh, what some people call a duckboard. Yep. Um, but it's just a little timber mat to have the, have the mat on, allows the air under, to get underneath and around, and it'll dry in no time. And obviously you did a very good job of that. Yeah, um, sold hundreds of the things. Absolutely hundreds of the things. Yeah. Uh, so who are you mainly selling to? How do you get, get the distribution back in those days? I Just Sunday markets. Yeah. Used so. to go to a Sunday market. When Cannon Hill used to be going, um, yep. I used to go with a friend of mine who used to make um, wood-fired braziers in his backyard and we'd share a stall. And um, I was getting the timber from the business that I was working for uh, it was a scrap and off-cut piece of material and I'd reprocess it and turn it into these bath mats and mm. make really good money. Do you so, still make the bath mats now? Or no, no stopped? I don't. It's yeah. yeah, it's not really viable for me to do that sort of thing now. Um, yeah. I mean if you go back to all the products that you're now producing in 2019, mm. is there anything that uh, from 14 or 15 years ago that you're still making today? On a reasonably regular basis. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, probably no. Would be the would be the, the honest answer. Um, there's a couple of things that I'm thinking about re revisiting um, that I haven't made for a while, and that people have recently sort of inquired about. Do you do this? Um, probably the, the the cutting boards and the the serving platters that I do are something that I've been doing for since probably day one, or very close to day one. Um, they're a far more refined product now than what they were uh, when I first started, but that's probably something that I've been doing either from day one or very close to day one, yeah, and still do. Yeah, yeah so I guess um, working out how to do it all, I mean, so we go through some of the products that I've seen. I like those wooden stools, yep. uh, are very, very popular, you always... Yep. You sold lots of those. You've sold lots of chopsticks. Yep. Um, I, I like to I like to call myself Australia's largest manufacturer and exporter of chopsticks into the Asian market. Yeah. And how long? When did you f- first start doing chopsticks? Anyway. October last year it all began. So less than a year ago. Yeah. And and you sort of got out there. You you got them down pat. Yep. They they. Yep. Got them so they don't really cost you too much to to make. No. I make I make quite good money out of them now. It's, Excellent, yeah. yeah. And uh, things like uh, down there, I had a look. There was a chopping boards. There was mm. um, uh, all of that sort of stuff. So, and yeah. these we'll talk a bit about. Uh, I guess your happenings in recent years, but mm. um, you obviously lived uh, on I guess ten k's out from the city for yep. quite some yep. number of years. That's right. Uh, sort of between Nunder and Chermside, somewhere. Uh, you were there for how many years? Nineteen years. Nineteen years. I was in. Uh, I was in Wavell Heights. Yeah. Um, I I know that to be true because um, I actually had to go to a funeral on Friday, and it was and, and it was driven home then mm. how long I I was there. So, yeah. yeah. 
so I guess what, what sort of led to the big move out to, to Clontarf here? So Clontarf, this is obviously, you, it, it was, you're obviously running out of room in a hurry at home. Mm. There wasn't certainly enough room. You, you'd obviously built some, sh- some areas, some sheds or whatever mm. it was at that place but eventually you'd, you'd run out of room obviously and you, had, you needed yeah. you needed to, nine, to nine, expand a bit nine by, five, 9 by 5 shed in the backyard just wasn't cutting it um, like I've got well you've seen I've got commercial commercial grade equipment here yeah. uh, it's big big equipment uh, full size mm-hmm. table saw and uh, it's, it's all it's all big gear um, yeah. it, it, in a 9 by 5 shed it was just impossible for me to do large projects like beds bookcases things like that, you'd have to be working on that and that alone um, or be able to get there and push it off to the side so you could do other work. Uh, I was working in a, working basically in a, in a, in a series of corridors, uh, narrow corridors, um, and it was just not functional not, uh, and not productive. Um, so I bit the bullet and moved up here, uh, moved my business up here, and it's probably the best thing I've ever done, to be quite honest. No, I remember you telling me about the idea. I, think, I always thought it was a fairly good idea to do something like this. Mm. Um, and there's certainly an industrial hub here in Clontarf. There's, mm. uh, we've had other clients out this way that uh, in the construction industry that have premises that, that could be builders or painters or carpenters mm. or whatever. They have premises, um, with, you know, with this with a setup, you know, mezzanines and little offices and somewhere to put their boat. Yep, <laughs> yep. All yep. that sort of stuff. Um, so you you obviously enjoy it out here uh, in in the Bayside area. This is sort of the new way of life. Do you see yourself being here for a long time? Yeah, I do. Um, it, if I was to if I was to be brutally frank and honest, this is probably me now. Um, I, I I might further down the track if things work out all right. You know, buy an apartment over on the over on the seafront. But uh, but this is me now. Um, I, I love what I do. Um, I'm fairly well fairly well deeply involved in the community up here uh certainly in the business community uh um, so since you've been in this area you sort of have you joined uh any local sort of chambers of commerce in this yeah area? i have I'm, I'm i'm a member of the local chamber of commerce uh meeting for that tonight um it's probably a little bit diff operates a little bit differently from most chambers of commerce they do have um two meetings a month one's one's a bit formal and informative, so they'll have a guest speaker, like they have a guest speaker tonight. And the other, the other meeting will be at the Belvedere Pub, uh, just up the road here. Just yep. up the road, and uh, Chris puts on, uh, Chris, the owner of that, the MD, he uh, he puts on the food and the alcohol for that, and um, it's a free event. It's just social, you know, no card stabbing. Yeah. So yeah, I think. You look at, uh, well, I guess you've travelled around the world a little bit. Tell us a, about mm. some of the other places you've been to. Like, have you ever been to the States before? No, no, no. Uh, not particularly uh, one of the places I, that's high on my list. Been to India about three or four times. Uh, been to Thailand two or three times. Cambodia, Vietnam, Nepal a couple of times. There's a 25-year gap between those two visits. Been to Burma twice. Uh, I was, I was... This is a funny story. I was the first time I was in Burma. Um, I was in I was in Rangoon for the very very first of the democracy rights. Okay. Walked out onto the Esplanade in in, in uh, Rangoon from the Strand Hotel. Uh, walked out, looked left, and there was there were people and farmers with sticks and rocks and rakes and stuff like that and banners, 
waving, waving things in Burmese. And I looked right and there were the cops and the police, the uh, cops and the army uh, with guns. Shit. Um, so I turned around and walked away. Nothing happened that day. Nothing, mm. No one got hurt. No one got killed. Uh, three days after I got back. In, in those days, you were only allowed seven days in, in Burma. Three days, after, three days after I arrived back in Bangkok, the first person was killed. God. Now, 25 years later, 25 years later, I was sitting in a, sitting in a, uh, a backpackers, a, a hostel, hotel, apartment thing, um, in, uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but in Burma, and I was sitting in the, the hotel reception, because that's where the Wi-Fi was, watching the television, I said to the guy, I said, is this parliament? This is all these people with the funny hats, and he goes, yes, they're just about... They're just about to. Uh, they're just about to ratify independence. So I was in Burma when the democracy riots started, yeah. and I was also in Burma 25 years later and watched democracy being ratified on television. Wow, I that's cried. History. That's history. I cried. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. How do you do that? That's like 84 billion to one chance of that happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's a, definitely an experience. So, that's that's a good story. That's mm. a great story. Um, around Australia, you sort of have you travelled much most around this continent? Yeah, um, probably as far north as as far north and Queensland as Port Douglas, yeah. uh, far south as Hobart, yep. uh, Launceston, Melbourne, uh, yep. Adelaide. Done Adelaide a few times, Perth a few times, uh, yep. both as a young guy and also for work and and play. Yep. Um, yeah, central New South Wales, I've done a fair bit of that. Central Queensland, I've done a fair bit of that. Um, yeah, I've been around. Yeah. I've not, I've never been to Western Australia. Uh, sorry, to the northern part of Western Australia or really? the Northern Territory. Yeah. yeah. What about New Zealand? You've been there? Yeah, about eight or ten times. Got really good friends over there. So both, Nelson, both islands, I guess. Yeah, both islands. I've circumnavigated the South Island a couple of times. Yep. Um, I've probably seen more of the South Island, South Island of New Zealand than most North Islanders. Um, and I've done a fair bit of the North Island. Mm. Uh, so what, I guess in Australia, what do you think is the most uh, beautiful place to be? Beautiful place to not, be? Not to necessarily live, because we'll get there, but yeah. as oh. far as to go and relax. North, North Queensland North Queensland's, uh, has, has... I've got a very soft spot for, for North Queensland. I've also got a very soft spot for central New South Wales, um, yeah. you know, Foster, Tuncurry, those sort of areas beautiful parts of the world mm-hmm. um, quiet hospitable they're friendly um, yeah nice place to be yeah. mm. used to holiday a lot down that way yep. yeah favourite place in uh, New Zealand uh, <sighs> toss up between toss up between Kaikoura and, Ho- and Hokitika really okay. uh, both in the South Island the op- opposite sides of the country Hokitika's on the on the west coast um, I love I love the, the the drama of the uh, the pancake rocks that they have there. One of the natural features, and the the landscape in, in on the west coast is just really is quite unique. Mm. And uh, and Kaikoura on the other side, well, I don't I like to eat lobster, and uh, and the seals are great. And again, the place is just friendly and and beautiful to look at since i have to go back since the earthquake now and see mm. the change yeah uh, music to, so i've sort of uh we've sort of listened to the triple j's hottest 100 uh earlier this year yep. um at our party and uh i know that's sort of that's 
one of the types of music you might sort of be into, but tell us a bit about your favourite uh, music and what you sort of, I guess, listened to when, when you were young, younger as well. I, I've got a pretty broad taste in music. I, I listen to classical music sometimes. Uh, um, I've got a thing for Vivaldi's uh, Four Seasons. Um, I've, got a, I've got a bit of a thing for, for Jane Rutter and the way she plays a flute. I, I think it's just absolutely amazing. Um, and I'm 55 years old. I've got a pretty broad taste in music. I can go back to the, uh, the 60s, the 70s, um, the 80s, the 90s and the modern stuff and I can find something everywhere to, that I like. Yeah, so what, with this music that's coming out in 2019, is that something you sort of, do you like the music that you're hearing on Triple J, for example, this, in 2019? Yeah, look, you know, the, the, the Chance, the Rapper and stuff like that probably isn't my cup of sauce. Uh, but there are still a, a hell of a lot of good musicians out there, yeah. um, and there always will be. Mm. Um, yeah, I couldn't particularly name anybody that that particularly comes to mind, but uh, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Did you ever sort really of like. go to gigs at all back in the day when you were younger? So yeah, you know, I used to do that a lot. I used to do that a lot. What's the one that comes uh, to mind? Oh, Alice Cooper was probably the first live, <laughs> yes. the first live, first live gig I ever saw. Um, Good old Alice Cooper. Yeah. Uh, I used to be used to be an avid fan. Still like his music. Yeah. Um, still still holds its own and just, just doesn't get played enough. No, that's right. Um, you know, Midnight Oil, Cold Chisel. Yeah. Uh, Cold Angry. Chisel. We did sort of went through a period of liking that. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, Angry Anderson and uh, <laughs> uh, um, so, oh, so guys that like to yell. Yeah. All, all that all that sort of thing. The Angels. Uh, oh yeah, the Angels. The Angels Doc. used to be. Yeah, Doc Neeson. I've seen him. I've seen him heaps of times. They used to be one of my favourites. The Angels back in the late eighties, in yeah, particular. Yeah. Um, uh, Mental as anything. Yeah. I've seen them a number of times. Yeah. No, they were they were great. Yeah. In the eighties as well. Yeah. Yeah. I got a pretty broad taste in music. Yeah, like, it sounds like you like the classic sort of rock, though. It's yeah, a lot of a, a lot, lot of the times, classic yeah. rock, Australia, a lot of them Australian bands as well. Mm. Uh, in in mm. most cases, I've got a I've got a bit of a thing for female artists too. Uh, yeah, I mean the ones with good voices are where I mean you got to like though mm. a good voice and a unique voice. Mm. Missy Higgins, recent ones I suppose. Missy Higgins. Yeah. Um, um, Diana Arnaid, she's going back a little bit now, but uh, yeah. Um, and there's some. There's some wonderful, wonderful uh, artists out there now. Mm. now Amy Sharp. Yeah, Amy Sharp has got a good voice. I'll, mm. I'll give her that. Very becoming more mainstream now. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think As so. A, but Triple J, I think we'll still love her uh, for a while. Definitely. Um, and Lord and yeah, these other ones that are coming through like uh, Billie Eilish. Interesting. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And also listen to that sort of thing. I could listen to that sort of thing all day. Yeah. That is uh, for sure. Less, I've got less few, chance the rapper. Yeah, less <laughs> chance the rapper. Less, <laughs> less Kanye West. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Um, now you've been around the the you've been around this part of the world, and you would you would have seen lots of different uh, markets. What are what I guess? What are your favourite markets to go to in Australia? Oh, as far as as far as uh, um, weekend markets, sort of thing. Yeah, or if you you you, you, you know you sort of. Whether you have a stall there or not, mm. um, you know, obviously you've had a stall at different markets. We can talk about that. Yep. But what are, what are the markets that you've travelled to, that you've been to in Australia that sort of resonate and say, gee, I wish I could go back there again and uh, visit those markets and oh, get some look, stuff? Yeah, the, um, the, the, the markets in South Melbourne 
Um, yes, uh, Victoria Markets. Vic, Vic Markets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's probably. That's to name still, one. That's probably King, it. Yeah, yeah. It's still around. I haven't been oh, there yeah. for such a long time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, still going, and uh, yeah, that's that's probably that's probably it. Really? Did you ever remember the Carrara markets? Yeah, Carrara markets. Yep, they used to be quite good, but that's sort of years yeah, ago. Used yeah. to be good. I remember when they were sort of really big yeah. once. Uh, what, I guess my, one of my favourite markets of all time is definitely down at Salamanca Place. Yes. Um, yes, in Hobart. Uh, you must have, tell me when you sort of first ever went to Salamanca Place. Hmm. How old have you been then? Ah, oh, uh, late twenties, early thirties, maybe, maybe, it's maybe. It's been around mid- a long time, though. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when every time I sort of go there, you've got the hue and pine. You've yep. got all, all that. Do you? You must sort of appreciate, I guess, all the different types of wood that you certainly see do. Certainly do. At, I've, at markets like yeah, that. Yeah, certainly do. Um, certainly do. And uh, you know, things like hue and pine and, and black heart sassafras and, and yes, yeah. blackwood and what have you. I I try to you know include some of that stuff in some of the work that I do. Mm. And what are your favourite ones out of those? I guess, they, they, they just, is there anything got a Hewan Pine's got a, smell to it. a very distinctive smell and feel to it. Um, yeah. And if you get material that's highly figured, it's, mm. it's got a, a look all of its own. When I was, I mean, going through high school, I remember um, we used to have, I think, woodwork and metalwork classes. Did you have those sort of classes when you were growing up? Yes, we did, yeah. And uh, we sort of had hue and pine that we were cutting up, and did you, yeah. We didn't have that, no. No, we didn't have that. We we just had pine. Yeah. Pine. <laughs> just pine. Yeah. Just pine, mate. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the future of uh, Timber Dimensions, obviously you've sort of, you've sort of looked at your business over the, the last 15 years, and... Mm. Um, you've developed different products. Mm. Uh, there's been, certainly been some uh, some goals achieved mm. you, that you've been able to bring these products out. Uh, where do you see the future of Timber Dimensions going? Do you see yourself getting a lot bigger, or do you like to keep the size under control? I I, I really don't see um, I don't, really don't see a great great opportunities for for employing somebody. It's not really something I want to do. Uh, I just see, I just see employing people as, as being more of a with the way um, way the system is in this country. It just seems to be to me more of a burden than it is um, than it should be. Um, I'd prefer to stay relatively small and a little bit more exclusive. Um, yeah. Better value, keep the quality, the value. Yeah, it's 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 more about premium products than 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 mass produced items. I like my things to be to be one in a million rather than one of a million. Um, yep. it, that's a line that I use. Um, my stools aren't for everybody. They're not they're not a particularly cheap item, but they but they represent ex- exceptionally good value. Um, I sell them all over the world. Um, yeah, to my site. Um, the book birds that I do are probably oh yeah, I've seen the book birds. Yeah, yeah it's like a bit like a bookmark, but it's yeah. It's hey, a, tell us a bit about the how that, that's. I mean, where that idea came from and how that sort of works. It um, it came about. It came about because a friend of mine was saying how he gets when he reads. He's an avid reader, and when he reads, he likes to read one-handed and does the you know the thumb and this your little finger holding the the, the page open the book open while he's drinking his cup of tea or more likely 
throwing a beer in his face. Mm. Um, so, so I came up with, I, I looked around, I seen something that was, you know, very similar to what I do um, in other outlets, but they were big and fat and chunky and ugly. And uh, so I redesigned the product and um, made my own. Mm. Made my own version. They they've proven to be proven to be very successful and very popular. Mm. Excellent. So a few other things. So um, one of the uh, I guess the ways of sort of dealing with the general public. Uh, uh, we're both part of the Brisbane Small Business mm. Group. Um, when did you first come across the Brisbane Small Business Group, and have you have you found that uh, uh, being uh, regularly looking at the forums and responding to different um, people's queries uh, how have you found that whole process yeah look it's a, it's it's a useful um, it's a useful and productive group I find I'm, I'm involved in a few different groups and probably to be honest um, I think that BSB's probably uh, moderated better than most yeah um, yeah, yeah uh, moderated better than most um, it doesn't seem to be too much garbage going on and it's focused on what we're all trying to do mm. you know be, be better be better at business and and uh, and improve the way we we do things yeah yeah I think it's it, I think it's been quite beneficial to be involved I've probably been involved in one way shape or form for about three years now I suppose maybe four years I want to do sort of um what, what people sort of forget about uh, Brisbane small business in some cases is that some of the members, you know, they do, they're not necessarily right in the middle of Brisbane either. So mm. you're talking about uh, uh, people that are in the group from Toowoomba, mm. also from Mullaney. Mm. Um, Sunshine Coast. My good mate Simo. So, and obviously yourself out here and uh, Sunshine Coast and other areas. So mm. it's, it's got that bigger following that it's really made Brisbane either really big or um, it's just it's just got the the right sort of uh, things for what the small business people want, and and they find it a good way to do stuff. And because they probably don't have something, there's nothing else like that, you know. Uh, there's not nothing else really like that that's really replicating. So no, that's right. I, I think I think the group uh, I think the group's quite unique in that regard. Um, that it is it is about helping members. It's all about. Uh, everybody getting a little bit more and, and, and shopping local local and thinking global um, yeah. and and without the garbage yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's uh, I think that's what makes the group quite unique yeah yeah so you're born in Brisbane mm. um, you obviously been lived in Brisbane pretty much most of your life if not all your life mm. um, you've always had an attachment to Brisbane as a city uh, even though you're out here at Redcliffe at the moment still 20 minutes away mm. um, when it comes to a, a drive so you, you really still much what what is it about this part of the world that really you love that attracts you to generally the way of life and the way things work it, to to the peninsula here to Clontarf and, and what have you it's the I can I can get on my push bike and ride over the other side of the peninsula yep. and I can go and I can go and walk I can go and walk in the sea um, yeah I could probably do that at from where I was at Nudgee Beach or something like that, to be, to be honest, it takes me a lot less time to get to the water here than it yeah. does uh, at Wavell Heights. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that I can get there 
drive to the other side of the peninsula or down to the down near the bridge even and get mm. and walk down there um, and I can go down there and I can think I can clear my mind and breathe the fresh salty air mm. and and it's just beautiful it's fantastic so I, I guess um, the, the t- obviously you like living in this sort of temperature, the, yep. the, this sort of climate. Yep. Uh, it's it's Bevan Blackshaw climate, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's not cold. Yeah. Uh, I don't like cold. Um, I I don't like cold at all. Um, I'll take I'll take forty above rather than five below any day of the week. Yeah, fair enough. Um, now you obviously been involved a bit in, in networking them. You've obviously said you've joined the Chamber of Commerce. Yep. Uh, more locally here and uh, I guess what are the best types of networking that you found over your career uh, and you and self-employment that's really helped uh, you the be- the most um, the, the the meet and mingle thing and uh, it, that they do up here is is very good it's 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 a very very relaxed is that sort of the Belvedere thing you're yeah, yeah it's okay. it's very very relaxed um, People are happy to talk about their business, uh, but it's you know we've sort of got a bit of a rule: there's no card stabbing. Um, but Jen, it's it's just a very open, honest, convivial environment. Um, there's no pressure on anybody to do anything at any time, um, and it and everybody's very supportive up here. So, so I guess out of in your sort of uh, business life, I guess who are the I always look at you as being a self-made man mm. in a way. That's not always the case, but mm. when I sort of look at Bevan Blackshaw, I think self-made man, a person mm. that uh, lives and dies with his own decision-making and uh, has good rationale for the decisions that he makes. Um, has there been any, I guess, what sort of influences have anybody, apart from your own sort of study and research, and, I mean, what sort of, I guess, business relationships or mentorships over the years have given you the, any sort of, I guess, uh, other way of steering how you've been other than your own sort of stubbornness? <laughs> stubbornness, that's very good. It's, it's a very accurate description. Um, accuracy and, and, and taking time to, to look at what you're doing and uh, doing it correctly the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit of a pedant with that sort of thing. Um, I don't rush in where angels fear to tread. I tend to stand back and look uh, and observe and, and make a plan as to what's going to happen, uh, how we're going to move forward with a, with a project. Yep. Um, and whether that be as in con- working in construction, contracting, or, or doing something uh, you know, like I've been doing recently, helping a, a friend uh, build and line a couple of um, sheds in his backyard for, for his new workspace. Um, I'm not the fastest guy out there, but I, I get it done right. I don't. In 20 years, well, nearly 20 years of doing construction uh, work and involving building buildings and fitting out and laying mezzanine floors, uh, many, many hundreds of thousands of, or many, many millions of dollars worth of work uh, in terms of the overall project, um, I've never had a callback. Mm. Ever. Never had a callback. Um, I don't know many contractors that can say that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, definitely, your workmanship is is you know top notch. There's there's a, there's a mm. lot of uh, lot goes into detail. It's it's a way of you dif- differentiating yourself from it, 
anybody else that does anything even remote, yep. remotely the same same industry or goes to try to sell something similar at the markets. Yep. Um, so you've always had that about you. There's only going to be one Bevan Blackshaw, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. Um, but it's been... Never married, no children. There yeah. can't be ever, ever be another one of me. Well, you know, it's not, you're not the only person in the world that's probably that, like, fits that sort of narrative. Mm. But, um, but yeah, it's probably, I guess, rarer than, it is. than, than the, other, the, it the is. other options, that's for sure. And it is. That what's, you know, it's not what that, that makes you unique. It's just everything uh, put together mm. makes you as unique as you are. Um, certainly been uh, a pleasure to come out here um, just to I give, interview you and, and find out a bit about your story, Bevan. I think it's a very interesting story and I think it's something that uh, is good to listen to. to, to You'll be able to listen to this back when, when I upload it just to see how it all sounds. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you very much. But any sort of, uh, I guess, final sort of bits of advice or closing remarks or anything uh, along those sort of lines or something that... Uh, you would like to get off your chest the only thing i'd say is if you're if struggling along with uh, whether or not you're going to work for yourself and do business tell the naysayers to stop being a horse tell right? the naysayers to not being a horse That's stop being a horse it's just go with your gut go with what you know and go with your passion and what you love to do if you do what you love and you do what you enjoy then there's you you can make it happen you can make it happen. You just got to have belief in yourself. A lot of times, um, it's and not it's easy, but and, it's and, uh, <laughs> obviously it's it's. How would you define happiness then? Um, I, I get I get happiness I get happiness from from a good meal. I get happiness from from just living every day. Yeah, like. just living every day. Uh, I've I, I've great. been a lot, I've been a lot of places. I know what unhappy is. I know what poor is. Yeah. I'm none of those things. Yeah. I'm not a wealthy man, but I'm not poor. Yeah, no. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Bevan. Thank you for the opportunity, Tim. No worries. I really appreciate it. No, it's okay. I do. I like to think of the, you know, the, the good stories, and I like to think of the people that I think would resonate uh, with mm. people that may listen to this podcast down Excellent. the line. So thank you very much. That uh, has been the Peninsula edition of the podcast. <laughs>